I appeal to you, dear brothers and sisters, by the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ to live in harmony with each other. Let there be no divisions in the church. Rather, be of one mind, united in thought and purpose. For some members of Chloe's household have told me about your quarrels. Dear brothers and sisters, some of you are saying, I am a follower of Paul. Others are saying, I follow Apollos, or I follow Peter, or I follow only Christ. Has Christ been divided into factions? Was I, Paul, crucified for you? Were any of you baptized in the name of Paul? Of course not. I thank God that I did not baptize any of you except for Crispus and Gaius, for now no one can say that they were baptized in my name. Oh, yes, I also baptized the household of Stephanus, but I don't remember baptizing anyone else. For Christ didn't send me to baptize, but to preach the good news, and not with clever speech for fear that the cross of Christ would lose its power. Dear brothers and sisters, when I was with you, I couldn't talk to you as I would spiritual people. I had to talk as though you belonged to this world, or as though you were infants in Christ. I had to feed you with milk, not solid food, because you weren't ready for anything stronger. And you still aren't ready. For you are still controlled by your sinful nature. You're jealous of one another and quarrel with one another. Doesn't that prove you're controlled by your sinful nature? Aren't you living like the people of the world? When one of you says, I follow Paul, and another says, I follow Apollos, aren't you acting just like people of the world? After all, who is Apollos? Who is Paul? We are only God's servants through whom you believe the good news. Each of us did the work the Lord gave us. I planted the seeds in your heart. And Apollos watered it, but it was God who made it grow. It's not important who does the planting or who does the watering. What's important is that God makes the seed grow. The one who plants and the one who waters work together with the same purpose. And both will be rewarded for their own hard work. For we are both God's workers and you are God's field. You are God's building. Because of God's grace to me, I have laid the foundation like an expert builder. Now others are building on it. But whoever is building on this foundation must be very careful for no one can lay any foundation other than the one we have already, Jesus Christ. Anyone who builds on that foundation may use a variety of materials, gold, silver, jewels, wood, hay or straw. But on the judgment day, Fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show if a person's work has any value. If the work survives, that builder will receive a reward. But if the work is burned up, the builder will suffer great loss. The builder will be saved, but like someone barely escaping through a wall of flames. So, Corinthians. Did you flag up last week's services? No, I will do that now. Uh, last week, we had uh, David Instone Brewer, I think is his name, uh, who really laid the foundations for this whole series that we're doing um, by really speaking to the context that Paul was writing into uh, in Corinth. So we've got a nine, nine weeks now of teaching on Corinthians. I highly recommend you go and listen to that first 
uh, sermon because it really kind of lays the foundation for everything that's to come. Also in the evening, I read through the whole book. We won't be hearing the whole book in our morning readings. Um, so if you want to hear how all of the different parts fit into context, uh, again, that's really worth going to listen to. So I highly recommend, even if you don't listen to every sermon in the series, just those first couple of things on the uh, website will be really useful um, in laying the groundwork for everything else. We've called this series Confronting Corinthians because in this letter, Paul is writing to admonish the church in Corinth for the mistakes that they were making. He... um, doesn't feel the need to pull his punches, and he's very forthright about the things that they're doing wrong. And I felt that uh, in this series, not only are we confronting what was wrong in the church in Corinth, but that it was important we use the series as a mirror for our own church and our own shortcomings. I'm working on the assumption that none of us think this is a perfect church and assuming that we're all on the same page about that, let's face up to our shortcomings. I think it's really important. It's not something we do very often, but I think it's really important for us to say, let's actually confront some of these issues. Um, But at the end of the book of Corinthians in the famous uh, love chapter, 1 Corinthians 13, Paul reminds us that love is gentle and kind and that it keeps no record of things other people have done wrong and so I hope that in this series as we face up to maybe where we could do better as a community that that will be uh, presented with love and that it will also be received with love. So I just wanted to say that at the outset of this series, really, that that's where we're going. And, you know, there might be times where this is a little bit uncomfortable and a little bit tough, but I think it's really important to do. But I pray that it, we're able to do that uh, in, a, in a loving way and as, as part of this loving community. OK, so the first problem that Paul needed to deal with was this issue of leadership. Paul had founded this church in Corinth a few years before uh, and had stayed there for, I think it was about 18 months, two years, quite a long time, and then moved on to kind of the rest of his missionary journeys. And in the time he'd been away, uh, other leaders had come in and started um, preaching and kind of helping to continue the work which he'd started. And it must have been uh, a shock then for Paul to hear that this church, which he'd left in quite a good state, had become fractured into different uh, kind of camps around the teachers that were in that church. There were some people who were saying, oh, I follow Paul. I'm kind of very much a Paul person. He founded this church. That's who I support. I'm very definitely a Paul person. There was this other bloke called Apollos. And some people were like, no, I'm much more of an Apollos person. I think that's very much my speed. He was a, a speaker who had... Um, come into the church uh, later uh, a powerful speaker a a trained orator Um, the bible describes him as a strong speaker but that word comes from the greek word uh, uh, dunamis which from which we get our word dynamic so he was this kind of really kind of uh, engaging um teacher and very learned very eloquent and he was really able to um 
take the Old Testament and make it really relevant and show how Jesus fit into that Old Testament context. So you had Paul who founded the church, but maybe wasn't such a hot teacher. You had this really kind of cool, kind of young kind of guy coming in, helping to kind of maintain that work. But, um, and he'd been very popular. You also had people in the church who were saying, no, 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 I'm, I follow Peter, who was the uh, leader of the whole church at that time. The kind of possibly had never even been to Corinth, but was certainly a prominent figure, like the Pope um, in the church. Um, and then there were other people who said, no, 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 no I, only follow, I only follow Jesus, uh, which I think we can all agree is the most sanctimonious option. And the problem with this was, culturally in Corinth, which was this really uh, multicultural, quite a cutting-edge city at the time, one of the big... Uh, Things Last week, David described it as being like um, celebrities. Because the big thing then was not who was the best sportsman or whatever. It was who was the best like philosopher, um, who was the best teacher. And each um, one of these teachers would gather groups around them. And then they'd kind of compete to be the kind of the wisest in the city. And that's what was happening in the church. You had some people who were... Paul people, you had Apollos people, you had Peter people, you had Jesus people. And Paul says that that is fundamentally wrong. That is not how a church behaves. Because the church is the body of Christ. And the body of Christ cannot be divided. You know, if you have a body and you divide it into pieces, what you have is a dead body. And by doing this factionalism, Paul actually says, I, couldn't, uh, I could not address you as spiritual, but as worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not yet ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. You are still worldly. And that's because they were quarrelling about who was the best leader. So that's very much the, uh, the problem that Paul was writing into, and that's really his fir- the first thing he has to say about it. That factionalism is unacceptable, because the body of Christ is not divided. And if we, as the church, present a divided front to the world, all they see is brokenness. And that's not what they should see when they look at Jesus. The second thing he says picks up in chapter 3. He says, What is Apollos and what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe. When I read, historically, when I've read 1 Corinthians, I've always kind of got it a bit wrong about Apollos. I always thought that he was kind of the baddie in 1 Corinthians and that he had come in and was teaching something that was wrong or that he was um, actively setting himself up like this in opposition to Paul. But that's not actually what the Bible teaches. Paul describes Apollos as a fellow worker. Later in the letter when he's doing his, um, he sends his personal greetings in chapter 16, he says... Now, about our brother Apollos, in verse 12, uh, I strongly urged him to go to you with the brothers, 
that he was quite unwilling to go now, but he will go when he has the opportunity. Paul's working with him and has been having conversations with him. Later in Titus, it says, do everything you can to help Zenos, and Apollos on their way and see they have everything they need. Apollos and Paul were colleagues. So the problem was not about what they were teaching. The problem was about people's response to them because the Corinthians, what they'd failed to understand is what a leader was. Because in the church, a leader isn't the wisest, isn't the best teacher, isn't the person who um, can command the most authority. In the church, the best leaders are the best servants. Paul says that he began the work in Corinth. Apollos continued that work, and both of them faithfully did the work they'd been given by Jesus. Both of them had served God and served the church. And so by setting up each of these leaders on a pedestal, what they had done was elevate servants, which showed that how much they misunderstood. Do you see? The third thing which he says about this is that, not, firstly, they'd misunderstood what it meant to be the body of Christ. Second, they'd misunderstood what it meant to be a leader. Thirdly, they'd misunderstood who God was and how they related to God. Because by setting up each of these people as the best leader, what they had done was evaluate that work. And what Paul says is, that's not your place. Paul says... When he's talking about building, he says, um, I laid a foundation as a wide builder, and someone else is building on it. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire. If it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved, even though only is one escaping through the flames. So that's a very vivid image there of someone standing in a building as it burns down and kind of bursting out through a kind of wall of fire. But what Paul's talking about is he started something, Apollos carried it on faithfully, and it doesn't matter to the Corinthians who was doing that well. The point is they were doing the best they could, and only God will show us whose work had the most value. It's not our place to do that evaluation because God will test it by fire. So that's what Paul says about this situation. And the question then becomes, how do we apply this to ourselves? I wonder which of those camps you would place yourself in, in Corinth. You have... Paul, the founder of the church. You someone who lines up behind the founder, kind of the person who started everything off. Then you have uh, Apollos, who came and continued that work. The second big teacher, prominent teacher in Corinth. Are you someone who lines up between, behind that person, the continuer? 
Then you have Peter, who was a, um, a greater authority, I suppose. Someone who is outside the church but has authority over the church. Maybe you line up behind them. Or maybe you're one of the sanctimonious ones who says, oh no, it's just Jesus, we just need to do that. I wonder where you would put yourself and which of those groups you'd put yourself in. And I wonder now when we're in the ministerial vacancy what you think of our leaders what you think of the church council what you think of our staff team what you think about our warden what you think about those of us who uh, are blessed to speak from the front I don't know what you think about all those people I don't really want to know But the point is, whatever you think about those people, we have to be united behind them. Not only that, but Paul says all of those people, and I see this as I work alongside people in the church, all of these people are doing their best and faithfully, tirelessly outworking their ministry, serving God and serving this community. And to line up behind one of them and to gossip on Facebook and talk about people and their deficiencies in our house groups is not on. And it is destructive, and what it does is it sows division within the body of Christ, which is supposed to be united. Because it's not your place to judge the work of those people. It's God's place to judge the work of those people. And we... I was going to say this before we got our news this morning, but... I think it kind of gives a bit more urgency now that we know that we are on the path, at least, to getting a new minister. But we have another minister in our future. And I don't want to present to that minister a church body which is divided. I don't want to present to that minister a church body which is... which snipes about leaders and says, well, they don't do it like they do it, and I prefer the way they do it. When we have a new minister come in, I want to be wholehearted in my support of them, and I want the whole church to be joined in that. And finally, I think the last lesson for us is the leaders in the church in the Christian model of leadership are the ones who serve. So my question to you is, where do you serve in the church? Where's your leadership within this community? I'm blessed to be able to 
speak from the front and to have quite a visible ministry. Uh, and, and not everyone's ministry will be that visible. But I think each of us should be asking ourselves, where am I a leader in this church? What do I do? What gifts do I bring? Do I faithfully offer back to God what he has given me to build up this body? So there's some things to think about there. Um, I pray that that's been offered and will be received with love. But I think one of the things we need to confront in this church is where do we stand and how do we see leadership and how are we each leading in the church? Amen? Amen.